0: Hi, this is Father Neil here, and welcome to the July 4th episode of the podcast Catechism with Father Neil. Today we're looking at Numbers 1440 through 1449 of the Catechism. Six, the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. 1440, sin is before all else an offence against God, a rupture of communion with Him. At the same time, it damages communion with the Church. For this reason, conversion entails both God's forgiveness and reconciliation with the Church, which are expressed and accomplished liturgically by the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. Only God forgives sin. 1441 Only God forgives sins. Since he is the Son of God, Jesus says of himself, the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins and exercises his divine power. Your sins are forgiven. Further, by virtue of his divine authority, he gives this power to men to exercise in his name. 1442 Christ has willed that in her prayer and life and action his whole church should be the sign and instrument of the forgiveness and reconciliation that he acquired for us by the price of his blood. But he entrusted the exercise of the power of absolution to the apostolic ministry, which he charged with the ministry of reconciliation. The apostle is sent out on behalf of Christ, with God making his appeal through him and pleading be reconciled to God. Reconciliation with the church, 1443. During his public life, Jesus not only forgave sins, but also made plain the effect of this forgiveness. He integrated, he reintegrated, Forgiven sinners into the community of the people of God from which sin had alienated or even excluded them. A remarkable sign of this is the fact that Jesus receives sinners at his table, a gesture that expresses in an astonishing way both God's forgiveness and the return to the bosom of the people of God. 1444. In imparting to his apostles his own power to forgive sins, The Lord also gives them the authority to reconcile sinners to the church. This ecclesial dimension of their task is expressed most notably in Christ's solemn words to Simon Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. The office of binding and loosing, which was given to Peter, was also assigned to the College of the Apostles United to its head. Fourteen forty-five. The words bind and loose mean whomever you exclude from your communion will be excluded from communion with God. Whomever you receive anew into your communion, God will welcome back into his. Reconciliation with the church is inseparable from reconciliation with God. The Sacrament of Forgiveness Christ instituted the Sacrament of Penance for all sinful members of his church. Above all, those who, since baptism, have fallen into grave sin and have thus lost their baptismal grace and wounded ecclesial communion, it is to them that the Sacrament of Penance offers a new possibility to convert and recover the grace of justification. The Fathers of the Church present the Sacrament as the second plank of salvation after the shipwreck, which is the loss of grace. 1447 Over the centuries... The concrete form in which the Church has exercised this power, received from the Lord, has varied considerably. During the first centuries, the the reconciliation of Christians who had committed particularly grave sins after their baptism, for example idolatry, murder or adultery, was tied to a very rigorous discipline, according to which penitents had to do public penance for their sins, often for years before receiving reconciliation. To this order of penitence, which concerned only certain grave sins, one was only rarely admitted, and in certain regions, only once in a lifetime. During the seventh century, Irish missionaries, inspired by the Eastern monastic tradition, took to the continental Europe the private practice of penance, which does not require public and prolonged completion of penitential works before reconciliation with the Church, from this Time on, the sacrament has been performed in secret between the penitent and the priest. This new practice envisaged the possibility of repetition and so opened the way to a regular frequenting of the sacrament. It allows the forgiveness of grave sins and venial sins to be integrated into one sacramental celebration. In its main lines, this is the form of penance that the Church has practiced down to our own day. 1448. Besides the changes of discipline and celebration that this sacrament has undergone over the centuries, the same fundamental structure is to be discerned. It comprises two equally essential elements. On the one hand, the acts of man, who undergoes conversion through the action of the Holy Spirit, namely contrition, confession and satisfaction. On the other, God's action, through the intervention of the Church, The Church, who through the bishop and his priests forgives sins in the name of Jesus Christ and determines the manner of satisfaction, and prays for the sinner and does penance with him. Thus the sinner is healed and re-established in ecclesial communion. 1449. The formula of absolution used in the Latin Church expresses the essential elements of the sacrament. The Father of Mercies is the source of all forgiveness. He effects the reconciliation of penance through the Passover of his Son, and the gift of his Spirit through the prayer and ministry of his Church. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has reconciled the world to himself and sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the Church, may God grant you pardon and peace, and I absolve you from your sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, very good. So we continue looking today a little bit more at the sacrament per se. What we were looking at the last couple of days was the Acts of Penance, first of all, in the human heart, and secondly, in Christian life. And these can and must take place outside of sacramental uh, penance. All of us are called to a penitential life. It should also include uh, recourse to the sacrament of penance, but also we should have penance without this. Like, for example, on Fridays like uh, during Lent, and in our daily lives, to work in penance out of love for Christ. As I was saying two days ago, this um, dimension of the human heart is so, so important. And if we don't have this, it makes a mockery of the sacrament. But now today we look more at the sacrament itself, to see that the Church has instituted a way to bring us back, has instituted well, not, not the church, excuse me. That's 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 totally wrong. The Christ has instituted a way to bring us back to communion with the church, a way to bring us back to Him. And this is the sacrament of penance. Obviously, it's instituted by Christ, but it takes the church a while to get the hang of it. It's what we call the development of doctrine. That the church, yes, has received this gift from Christ, but she's not quite sure what it is. You know, it's like if you give uh, a small child, if you give the the baby Leonardo da Vinci some very good uh, products for art, maybe he doesn't understand how to use them as a child, but as he grows older, he can properly he can create masterpieces with them. Perhaps in the beginning, he's create he doesn't really know what to do with them, and this is how it is with the 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 the, the gifts of the sacraments that Christ gave the church, that he entrusted to the church, this divine deposit that is given to the church, it takes the church a few centuries. And in this, again, I want to, uh, as an Irish man, I like the, um, the the section here that is the only part of the Catechism, I think, what it mentions a modern nation. It talks about the Irish monks. During the 7th century, Irish missionaries took to continental Europe the private practice of penance. And so this role of the Irish in, in helping the sacrament to continue. And, uh, and so the sacrament becomes clear in the church. That In the beginning, as I say, the church was a bit confused and there were all sorts of arguments. And some people said, no, once you're baptised, that's it. Other bishops said, well we'll, we'll, well, we'll get you forgiveness of sins under very strict circumstances once. It's a one-shot deal. And if you mess up a second time, you're out. Of course, in the early church, they were more um, concerned with the really serious sins like adultery, like apostasy, like murder. They were the main sins that the sacrament was seen to be for in the early church. Um, but uh, as the, the, the church's experience continued, and as she meditated upon this power to, receive, to, to forgive sins, she saw that this could be better used, that it could be used more frequently. That people could also use it for venial sins, not just for mortal sins. Again, we see the big distinctions between mortal and venial sins in section 3 of the Catechism on the on the moral life in Christ. But here, uh, just to see that this, that this sacrament is given for the forgiveness of sins. And all of us are invited to this forgiveness. And then to see that there are different things that are always there. This contrition, confession, satisfaction in the in the, the Acts of Man, and then the Acts of God and the Forgiveness, and that this is really uh, what the sacrament gives us. And again, I love this line. This is one of the lines that I have underlined in my in my own copy of the Catechism. My copy of the Catechism is nearly all highlighted in yellow. I'd say, like, probably 50% of it is in yellow highlight, but there are a few places that are also underlined. So this is one of the lines I have underlined, and this is the second plank of salvation, After the shipwreck, which is the loss of grace. This definition from Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, of what confession is about. The second plank of salvation. After the shipwreck, which is the loss of grace. That if you find your life, your spiritual life, shipwrecked, if you find that the great gift that you received in baptism, in your first communion, in confirmation if you find this has become totally destroyed, shipwrecked, that there is a second plank of salvation. That the Lord does not abandon us. That he is there for us. He is there always with his mercy. And once again today with his mercy to invite us to the freedom of his his life. The freedom of his forgiveness. Freedom uh, of this victory over sin that Christ promises each one of us. That this is the true liberation that he gives us. The true independence from the devil. That we're invited again to come to him and receive true liberation, true freedom and true peace. So we'll continue tomorrow and tomorrow we'll be looking at numbers 1450 through 1460. God bless.